We are in a series right now called Fight Club. Just kicked it off last week, and if you missed last week, you can jump on YouTube or our, our app and go check out that message. And we're just looking at this idea that, that we're in a fight. We are in a fight. The devil is real, and uh, the Christian life is not a playground. It's a battleground, and we are in this fight. And, and so last week, my whole goal last week was just for us just to get our eyes open, to wake some people up and go, hey, 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 wake up. You're in a fight. And if you're not fighting, you're just losing. Uh, but if you are fighting, you can be victorious in all that he has. And uh, I, I can just say this. As your pastor, I'm just tired of seeing Christians get beat up. How many ready to put on some gloves and let's go? Let's go. Let's get after this again. Uh, I am tired of being a punching bag. And I am ready. God has given us offensive weapons to use when it comes to the spiritual fight that we're in. And so uh, you can go back and look at that, that message last week about the spiritual warfare. But uh, I'm excited to kick off today. And uh, hey, <laughs> round two. Round two, today we are talking about winning the battle of the mind, the battle of the mind. You and I deal with this on a daily basis, 365 days out of the year, 24-7. How many of you wake up and your mind is racing? Like as soon as you wake up, your mind is racing. How many have a hard time going to bed because your mind is racing all of the time? We are in a massive battle. There was a book written back in the 60s called The Invisible War. And I believe a lot of what we're facing today is an invisible war. It's a battle that we're facing in our minds. Some of you uh, were going through that battle just to get to church today. You woke up, you're like, should I go? Should I not go? Uh, you are facing that. Some of you face that every day you wake up when you go to work. We are bombarded day in and day out with news and social media and billboards and advertisement and friends and text messages and constant emails and everything is constantly coming at us over and over and over and over again. And uh, we wake up going 100 miles an hour and all kind of craziness. How many of you, when you wake up, just, just things start swirling? Like, like everything from like, it could go from like, what's for dinner? Like I gotta think about dinner, to all the task lists of everything that you've gotta do, to deadlines, to how many of you are, wake up and go, did I miss a birthday, anniversary? Did I, uh, any, did I, man, okay, I'm thinking about this, man, I don't want, wanna make sure I miss this, and then, and then you're thinking about all the appointments that you have, and you think about all the stuff that the conversations that you've had, or maybe conversations you had during the week. How many of you have a conversation with somebody, and then you leave, and you continue that conversation after you left the conversation, and you could continue that conversation for like another two weeks, and that person's not even in the conversation, anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, and then it can go from that to, to, to crazy things and even scary things like, like super concerned about like, what happens if I get COVID? And, and, and what, what's, what about terrorism? Uh, what, what about the racial injustice stuff that's going on right now? What about the political uh, turmoil that's happening right now? I mean, there's really big stuff that plague our mind constantly. What about the economy and where it is? And well, are my great grandkids gonna be even in a place in the economy, like what's that gonna look like for them? And then our mind races to our jobs and then our mind races to our kids. And how many of you send your kids to school and you just start praying, God be with them, be with them, be with them. Or you got kids that are out of the house and you're really praying, God be with them, be with them, be with them, be with them. Or maybe you're gonna be having a baby and you're like, God be with me, be with me, be with me. But our minds are constantly racing. They're constantly looking and thinking and then 
And then what even makes it worse is then you have all of the past that continues to stay in our mind. Like past experiences, past pains, past relationships that you're in. You think about, is my marriage going to make it? If my last one didn't, will this person like me? Uh, Will my children screw up like I did? What if I fall back into addictions? Do I have really what it takes to do what's being asked of me? Will my life ever get better than what it's been? This battle is vicious and it's intense and it's incessant. It never stops. It never stops. As soon as you think you got a hold on it, you wake up again the next day and it's there again. And it's there again. And it's there again. And there are moments where you can kind of settle it down. But how many know it's very quick to spike right back up to where you don't want it to be again? And here's why the enemy, Satan, is so after your mind. Because your greatest asset is your mind. I'm gonna say that one again. Your greatest asset is your mind. You are where you are today because of your mind. If you don't like where your life is, you might need to be thinking about what you're thinking about. This is so powerful for you to understand, and this is why the enemy knows this. Proverbs 23, verse seven says it this way. For as he, what? Come on, let's say this nine. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so I wanna unlock something to you. Um, I've shared this illustration before in, in years past, but I think it's worthy of us repeating because I wanna show you, one, why the enemy is so after your mind, and then two, if any of you are in here and you struggle with your emotions, handling your emotions, or you struggle with the decisions that you make, you're like, man, I'm gonna make a deci- good decision, good decision, and then it's a bad one, bad one, bad one, bad one, I'm gonna show you why. So if this is true, if this is true, I want you to see what I call the soul cycle. So you know that we have a body, a soul, and a spirit. We are spirit beings that live in a body that have a soul. And it's almost like a a tug of war between your body, the flesh, and your spirit that desires things of God. And then you have your soul, which is kind of your, almost your mediator in between the two. And it's made up of three parts. Your soul is made up of your mind, it's made up of your emotions, and it's made up of your will. Your mind, your will, your emotions, all three of those. Your thinker, your feeler, and your chooser. What you do, your behavior. And what ends up happening oftentimes is when we have a behavior that we don't like. Like, we get angry and we, we fly off the handle and we mad and we yell and we punch things. Or maybe you have, a, have, have a, something that happens and then you just go into deep depression and you cure it with Bluebell to try to ease your woes, you know, uh, or whatever that may be. I want to I wanna show you something that's so powerful here because, watch this, the life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life you have is a reflection of the thoughts you think. The life you're living right now, the decisions you're making right now are, are coming, being informed out of your emotions and your thinker. So based off of how you think will often determine how you feel, which will often determine what you do. 
If you don't like what you do, don't try to stop not doing it. Try to figure out what is causing you to think that way, that is causing you to feel that way, that's causing you to do that way. Okay, so if you wake up, so I woke up this morning and I had an option. So last night, uh, my son went to prom for the first time. Come on, somebody. And, uh, and so I don't know why he didn't wear a suit today. Why, why didn't you wear, anyways, okay, so, he, uh, so, so it was a late night last night. But at the same time last night, I told a guy in our church, I was like, hey, let's go run tomorrow morning. So this morning, let's go run early in the morning. I like to start Sundays running. Well, my son got in late. And I, of course, you can't sleep until he gets in the house. And then, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to bed and I'm thinking, I gotta wake up in like four hours. And so there my alarm goes off. And in that moment, when my alarm goes off, I get to make a decision there. Am I gonna get up and get out of bed and go run? Or am I going to hit the snooze and tell the guy, ah, oh, just not feeling it today. So in that moment, I just wanna show you, this is something real simple, but I just wanna show you in that moment, I have, I have a decision to make, but oftentimes what ends up happening for most of us, our decisions are not made by just our thoughts, they're made by how we, how we feel. And so we say things like, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it. And we let our feelings dictate our choices. But this is, I woke up this morning, here was the thought, I'm going to feel better after I do this. That's what I said to myself. I'm gonna feel better after I do this. All right, so I didn't feel like getting up, but I did get up and we did run. And guess what? I did feel better after I did it, but it had to come with a decision that was made. And I've realized this year, even in my health journey, the previous years of me not doing anything in my health journey was not an issue of me just not working out. It wasn't even an issue of me not wanting to work out. It was an issue with me saying things to myself that caused me not to do it. So I'd say things like, I don't have time. I'd say things like, I can't make time. I'd say things like, it hurts, which that is true. <laughs> but I was saying things to myself that, that, that my feelings began to match what I was saying, which then matched what I was doing. So think of it now, take that to where you are today and think about the things that maybe you struggle through. Think about the things that you have a hard time with the decisions that you make. Think about even the last decision that you made that you're like, I wish I wouldn't have made that decision. Truth was probably told is that you said something to yourself that you believed it. So you said something like this, after I do this, I'll feel better. After I, if I do this, no one will ever know. That's the lie that we believe. We justify it, we do it. Everything is built so as a man thinks, so is he. So as we think, so is he. So the, if my life is a reflection of the thoughts that I think, this has to be true. So if there are actions in your life you don't like, if there are feelings that you don't like, you need to look back at what you're thinking about because you probably have stinking thinking, which is creating stinking feelings, which is creating stinking actions. So take any action, anything that you're doing right now and look back at it. Okay, and here's why this is so important, because it's so much bigger than just this. Let me show you the next slide. What starts as a thought leads to an emotion, which leads to your choices. If you make these choices long enough, it leads to a habit. If you let that habit go long enough, it leads to your character, who you now are, which then leads to your destiny. But it all begins back with 
a thought that you had, something that maybe got planted in your heart and in your mind when you were four years old or 12 years old or 20 years old, but it all began back with a thought. The thought could be I'm not enough. The thought could be I'm always gonna struggle. The thought could be no one's ever gonna love me. The thought could be that I'm always gonna get hurt. The thought could be whatever you think, it doesn't matter, and then your emotions then play that. Why people struggle with depression, it's not because of an emotion, it's because of their thoughts. They could get a hold of this. They could change the way they feel. And then they would begin to make choices that match now the thoughts that they're speaking, which now create new habits. This is why some people don't come to church right now. Because for a year they've created a habit of not going. Because it all got back to a thought that said, I really don't need it. Which then led to, I wake up on Sunday and go, I really don't wanna go. Which then led to a choice that we're not gonna go, which led to many choices of a year of not going, which has created a habit, which then creates a character, which then creates a destiny. Are y'all with me today? Okay, I, I'm just telling you, you, you look at anything in your life right now, and this will, you can just lay this right over your life, and you'll see how this begins to go back to thoughts. So I'm bringing all this up because this is what we're going after today. And I want to show you how it gets planted there, because this is where the real fight of the enemy takes place. You think the enemy's after you staying addicted. Uh-uh. No. He's after you having the thoughts of that. You think he's after you just staying depressed. No, 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 he's after you having the thoughts of that. And so this is, this is where the fight is, right here. So today, listen, by the way, the devil should not have let you come today. I just wanna let you know that right now. He should not have let you come today because you're about to get something. You're about to hear something. Um, listen, I want you to, le listen, lean in like your life depends on it. Because it does. Because it does. Your life is gonna depend on what you do with this message. And I'm gonna show you two strategies the enemy uses to keep you in a place that you don't wanna be. Number one, this first strategy of the enemy is called accusation through harassment. Accusation through harassment. Revelations chapter 12 says it this way, look at this. This great dragon, the ancient serpent, called the who? The devil or? Satan, the one? Here we go, deceiving, we're gonna to get to some of that too. Deceiving the whole world. This is what he does, he deceived the whole world. He was thrown down the earth with all of the angels and then it says, then I heard a loud voice shouting across the heaven. It has come at last, salvation and power in the kingdom of God and the authority of his Christ. And then he says this, watch, it gets better. For thee, here we go, that's a word. If you got the actual Bible or something, I want you to highlight that or circle that word. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters has been thrown down to the earth. The one who accuses them before our God. Why does it seem like it's always constant? Because this is what he does day and night. He never takes a break. He does it at night, he does it at day. He does it when you wake up, he does it in the afternoon, he does it at lunch, he does it at dinner. He does it when you're in church, he does it when you get out of church. He does it day and night. He is an accuser. Watch this, if you are a follower of Christ though, if you have surrendered your life to him, you are born again, the spirit of God lives in you. Listen to me, the devil can't touch you. Watch this, but he can't accuse you. He can't touch you, but he can't accuse you. And Satan is strategically and intentionally and relentlessly making accusations against you. So what does he accuse you of? Glad you're asking these great questions. Here we go. 
How does the enemy accuse you? He reminds you of our sin. This is what he does. He's constantly reminding you of your failure, of where you blew it, of what he does, what, what, what you shouldn't have done, that you've fallen short. He convinces us that we are unworthy of God's love. So he's constantly letting you know, based off of this, then you can't receive this. This is why people also will stay away from church because I don't feel like I'm worthy enough to step into this. But hey, by the way, good news, we all are undeserving of God's love, really. And God comes and he gives his life and his love to people who are his enemies, who are far from him. But I mean, that's the incredible grace of God that he comes and he gives us what incredible life that he calls us to. He makes us doubt God's existence. Y'all, any of y'all have ever heard someone that, that is going through really, really hard times and they would say something like this, if God really loves me, then why does he let me go through this? If God is really good and God is a healer, then why did my husband die? If this is this and this is this, then there's no way that that's a good God. And so what he does is he accuses us in such a way for us to doubt that God actually exists and then he causes us to question our salvation. And so when we're maybe not in a good place that we wanna be, we begin to question even at the fact if we really are saved and does God really love us and does God really exist? And he, how many have heard this voice before? Anybody heard these voices before? Three of us are honest in here. Okay, all right. I see what I'm gonna have to deal with today. Okay, all right. Hey, I'll, well, we'll talk about deception in a minute. All right, so how many know the enemy will also use other voices to accuse you? I mean, no, the enemy's voice isn't the only one that accuses you. He also uses other people to accuse you. He uses other people to do this, by the way. He'll, 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 put, a, he'll put a stepmom in there. He'll put a father-in-law. He'll put a coworker. He'll put a stranger up in there to just try to convince you of all of this right here and accuse you that you're not worthy. God doesn't love you. And so day and night, day and night, day and night, day and night. You know how many times I've, I've heard that voice, especially being a pastor? You're not worthy of this. How could you stand up and say this? Where in the... And all of us have felt this in some regards. If you're a life group leader, you've probably felt that. How can I lead other people when I myself am struggling with things? This is the, the accuser of the brothers and sisters, day and night. So that's the first strategy that he does. The second strategy is deception through lies. So accusation through harassment and deception through lies. John 8, 44, look what it says of our enemy. It says, he was a murderer from the beginning. He was always, he always hated the what? He always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. And so it says this, And when he lies, it is consistent with his character, for he is a liar, and he is the father of lies. Come on, how many know, like, that's the next level. (laughs) Like, you call somebody a liar, that's one thing. If you call them the father of liars, that's a whole nother level. The enemy is the father of lies. All right, so what's a lie? Let's talk about what a lie is. Let's define it. A lie is a false statement made with deliberate intent to deceive. A lie is a false statement with an, a, a, a deliberate intent to deceive. So we, we say something that is not true 
with the hope that we will deceive them to think that it is true. So here's, we gotta answer this question. Why are lies so dangerous though? Because hey, we, we all probably lie in some form at times, you know? And we think some of them are little, little lies, innocent lies. But lies can be extremely dangerous, especially when the enemy says it, or especially even when other people say it of us. Or, or watch this, no one lies to you more than you. <laughs> because we believe that it's always the enemy and it's always other people, but the truth is, is we, well, we'll get into that in a minute. Okay, all right. I'm jumping ahead of myself. So let's talk about why the lies are so dangerous. Number one, they're believable. A lie is, a, is, is dangerous because it's believable. And watch this. The only power a lie has is your belief. If you don't believe the lie and it's not believable, it doesn't have power over you. Okay? All right. So whatever someone says to you or what the enemy says to you or what you say to you doesn't really matter until you believe it. And then once you believe it, you have just now given it power over you. And the enemy is so subtle. Listen, he ain't knocking on your door and coming to you and all red and pitchforked like people think he is and be like, I got a lie, you wanna believe it? Like he doesn't do that. <laughs> Which I don't even know if he talks like that, but that's, that's what my devil sounds like. So, how I many you know you'd be like, get behind me. But what he does is so subtly he comes alongside you and he uses people to do it or he says something like, this isn't gonna be a big deal. You aren't gonna get caught. It's okay. It's all right. You don't really need that. And he, and he makes it so subtle, so almost like the real thing. It's not the real thing, but it's so close to the real thing. And he distorts it, and then he makes you believe it. So let me make this statement. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything that you think. Just because you think something doesn't make it true. And we have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. I'm gonna show you. We tell ourselves that things aren't as bad as they really are. Watch this. We tell ourselves that they're better than they actually are. You come up in a church, hey, how's things going? Blessed, highly favored, all good. And your husband's walking behind you like. No, mm-mm. That's one of the reasons why I stand in the back, by the way. Because I watch people just walk past me. And God gives me pictures. It's like I'm smelling things. Now, maybe if there's actually something on you, I should be smelling. <laughs> but I but I'm just want to see how the sheep are doing. I want to see how, because we can walk in and look good on the outside. And these are the lies that we tell ourselves. We tell ourselves that we're doing okay when we're not doing okay. And the sad thing is we actually do it in church in the one place you can get the most healing. We, we say things like, it's no big deal when it's a big deal. 
You ever had that conversation with your spouse? Hey, how you doing? I'm okay. You, you, you sure? Yeah, everything's okay. Mm, mm-hmm. Hey, are, are you all right? Yeah, that wasn't a big deal. Mm, I know last week you brought up something from four years ago that wasn't a big deal, and now it's a big deal. You know what I'm saying? Like, if it's a big deal, it's a big deal. If you're not doing well, you're not doing well. So, so lies are super dangerous because they're believable, and, um, and, and all of us, can do it in certain ways. All of us can deceive ourselves. Listen, some of us have bald spots, but we all got blind spots. I mean, we all got, we all got them. We all got blind spots. So they're believable. Another reason why they're so dangerous is because they fill in the blanks. So let me make this extremely practical. Let's play out a scenario. Let's say you got a friend or a coworker or whatever. We'll, we'll call her Shelly. Now, if there's a Shelly in here, I'm not referencing you, okay? I'm just thinking of a name. So Shelly. Say you go to work and Shelly says something. And it just kind of eeks you the wrong way. And you walk away from that conversation. Here we go. You walk away from the conversation and you have a conversation. Not with Shelly, though. <laughs> with yourself. And you fill in the blanks of what you thought she said and why she said what she said. And so you walk away and that happens. Or you walk away um, from something your boss said. And then you start saying things like, I wonder what my boss was thinking when he, I wonder what my, why my spouse didn't. And this is the enemy's playground because this is where he inserts a lie to help fill in the blank to create or to confirm the narrative you already believe. So, watch this. So, if you think people don't like you and then you go into your job and somebody says something and it seems like it came off a little bit wrong, you complete the narrative with, see, I told you, nobody likes me. Or if you're scared that you're going to lose your job when your boss comes to tell you about something you need to fix, you complete the conversation with, he's saying that because he's about to fire me. Or when your husband doesn't do what you expected him to do because you have unspoken expectations or maybe even spoken expectations, but it becomes unmet expectations. You, he doesn't answer his phone as quickly as you thought you, he could. You fill in the bank with, he's cheating on me. Or he's, and how I many know we never jump to the, we don't fill it in with the positive. Like, I'm gonna get a bonus. No, 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 it's I'm going to get fired. It's never, oh, they believe the best in me. No, it's they don't like me. Is this not true? We fill it in with the wrong thing. I've had people tell me years after, like, Pastor Josh, I came to church and you walked past me and you didn't shake my hand and I thought you were mad as hell at me. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. (laughs) They're like, I didn't come to church for a year. I'm like, you could have just walked up to me and said, are you mad at me? And you could have been at church for the last year. But you created a narrative, and when I walked past you, it informed your narrative, 
that is not a true narrative, by the way, a lie narrative, but it informed that narrative and then that narrative continued to play out. And this happens in our life all of the time. If your husband, maybe you had a previous relationship where your husband did do something that he shouldn't have done, and then now you go into another relationship, as soon as that, that new husband does anything that looks anything similar to what you had seen, you immediately jump to filling in all the blanks with the previous one. And this can go from church hurt, this can go to parents, my parents abandoned me, my, I mean, you just name it. This can go to addictions, this can go to whatever it is, you, you fill in that blank that's there. So that, that, that spouse cheats on you. And that night as you're crying yourself to sleep in the bed, the enemy comes in and whispers, you're not enough. You're not enough. And then what you do is you attach to that and you say, yeah, I'm not enough, you're right, I'm not enough. And then all of a sudden, with your agreement to that not enough, you begin to agree and believe, well, I'm just, I'm not enough for him, which you know what, that probably means I'm not enough for her, which probably means I'm not enough for them as well. And then you say things like, well, I'm just never gonna get in a relationship where anybody's ever gonna hurt me again. And it all started, back to one thought. That led to one emotion. That led to one choice. That led to one habit, that led to one character, that led to a destiny. And some of us are far from God because at some point, maybe someone in your life passed away and you said, if that's the God that is the healer and he didn't heal, then God is not real. And then that transpired to a whole list of choices and decisions that you have made based out of this one thought. And the day you buy into a lie, as the truth is the day the enemy can begin a covert operation of dictating your behavior, your responses, and your emotions. The day you buy into that lie and you say, that's not just a lie, that is now my truth. Which by the way, we live in a generation now where everybody says, my truth doesn't have to be your truth. Uh-uh, I'm sorry, there's not relative and absolute truth. There is absolute truth. What the truth in the word says is truth at all times and all places for all people, not one person. It's all for all of us. God's truth speaks to this. Hearing a lie is not the damaging part. Believing it is. You're gonna hear it every day. But the question is, do you agree with it? Do you agree with it? And at, at whatever point you begin to start agreeing with lies is the point that the enemy now can start changing how you feel about people, how you feel about your relationships, how you feel about God, which by the way, what you think impacts how you view God and how you view yourself and how you view other people. If you have a low self-esteem about yourself, I promise you, you probably have a low self-esteem about other people. If, if you are stuck in a, in a pattern of negative thinking, it impacts everything. It impacts your relationship with God, it impacts your relationship with people, and it impacts your relationship with yourself. All, you see this all throughout scripture. The one thing that the enemy did is he came in in the Garden of Eden. Think about this, perfection. Came into perfection. Life was perfect, perfect, perfect. And the enemy did it through a lie. God is withholding from you. Only reason God said you can't have that fruit is because he knows as soon as you do it, you will not die, you'll be like God. 
And that lie led to an emotion that said, I would like to feel like God, which led to a decision that said, God is not who he says he is. And so therefore, I'm gonna go and live, do what he said not to do, and they partake in the fruit, and we realize the whole thing of what happens after that. You and I are born into a sinful world because of one lie that was entered into the minds of Adam and Eve, and you look throughout scripture and men and women of God who wrestled with their mind, how the enemy had, uh, how the children of Israel sent 12 spies into the promised land to go check out the promised land, and 10 of them came back saying, we can't do it, but two of them, Joshua and Caleb said, we got this. What is that? It's two people that have a different thought process. They see things differently than everybody else. You and I can go through the exact same situation and see it from two totally different perspectives based off of how we think. I might get into this next week. I, I, I think I'm gonna talk about the mind again next week. Because you and I see things very differently based off of how you think. And based off of your relationship with God, based off of, based off of life experiences, based off of so many different things, you see things differently. It impacts you differently. Some of you during the COVID time, it was so depressing for you. And so for some of you, is the most incredible time because you got time with your family and new time with God. What's the difference? We both went through it together. One thought of it one way and another one thought of it a different way. So the enemy uses accusations to harass you day and night and he uses lies to deceive you day and night. Hey, listen, but I got some good news. God's given us weapons for all of that. God's given us some weapons. So let's talk about some weapons that he gives us. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse three through five. Now I've got to go. Here we go. Though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. Watch this. So that means that the war that you and I are in, we do not fight with guns or knives or swords. We don't fight with politics. We don't fight with money. We don't fight even with our words. There's a different way that God has called us to fight this battle. He says, for the weapons that are of our warfare are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to... That's what we're going after today, to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments in every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought Come on, let's say that one again. We take every thought take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. So last week I said, this is where we're going to go. We're going to talk about the practical side of how do we take thoughts captive. Watch this, watch this, watch this. You need to see this. You are either taking thoughts captive or thoughts are taking you captive. You are either binding these lies or these lies are binding you. There's only two options here, y'all. You're either in the aggressive, offensive, taking things captive that you should, or you are allowing this thing to take you captive, living in prison of what people have said about you, what other people have done to you, or what you've said about yourself. You've gotta take these thoughts captive, and if you don't wanna fight, you're gonna lose this battle that is in your mind. And by the way, once you lose the battle in your mind, you're done. You're done. This is how important it is. This is why I'm telling you to lean into this because if you can get this, this is so life-changing because the enemy knows if he can get in your mind, you're done, you're done, you're done. This is what prisoners of war do. 
They make sure that they play mind games with their prisoners because they know if they can get into their mind, they're finished. They're finished. So how do we take thoughts captives? Let me give you four thoughts. We're going we're to run through them. Number one, we got to recognize. We got to recognize. Psalms 139, 23 through 24. This is what it says. Search me. Everybody say that. Come on, say that one more time. Everybody online? Search me. Search me, me, oh God. Know my heart. Try me. Here we go. And know my thoughts. Know my. This is a prayer that David prayed to God. God, search me. God, know my heart. Know my thoughts. God, see if there's anything grievous, uh, grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. If you don't own your thoughts, your thoughts will own you. You've got to recognize what is it What is the thought that I'm believing? So here's your assignment, ready? Here's our assignment. Big assignment for this message, one thing I want you to do. That's it, one thing. I want you to identify the biggest stronghold that's holding you back. One. You're like, I got 20. I know, one. One. One stronghold. One lie. One accusation that is holding you back. Here's why this is so important. I love this. Pastor Craig Rochelle says it this way. You can't defeat what you can't define. If you can't define it, you can't defeat it. So you got to know what it is. And so the first thing is recognition. What is it? So to help you, I'm giving you a list. Now this might not be on your, it might not be the one your stronghold might not be on the list, but I, I tackled some pretty big ones. I think that probably are. So you ready? If you need to get your phone out, you can take a picture of this. Here's the list. Lies we believe. Everybody else gets what they want and I never do. I must please others to be liked. No one really cares if I'm hurting. I'm my own worst enemy. I deserve to have to do what I want because I work so hard. I'll never get over this addiction. If you want something right, you gotta do it yourself. Oh, y'all didn't think I was going there, huh? Okay. Y'all were like, it's just addictions and stuff. No, no, no. All of y'all in here, they're like, I gotta do it myself. Okay. I'll always be alone. It's not okay to show my emotions. It's always my fault. Nobody likes me. God isn't there for me. I can never do anything right. Here's mine. I'll never be enough. That's mine. I'll never be enough. I'll never be good enough, smart enough. I'll never have enough. I'll never be enough of a, of a father. I'll never be enough of a husband. I'll never be enough of a pastor. I, I woke up this morning as I'm thinking through this message with this lie in my head. Like it's just incessant, it's constant. And, and so you've got to recognize it. Recognize it. What is it? What is it? You can go through, do, you can do your own homework and you can go and pray this prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to search you and look at this. But once you do define what it is, watch this. Number two, you need to repent. Hey, by the way, repenting is just a change of mind. That's all it is. I believed this to be true, and now, God, I repent. I turn from that, and I believe this now to be true. It's a change of mind. It's a 180. This is what I've said. I'm no longer saying that anymore. So I am now going to, number three, replace. I got to replace it. Hey, listen, you're the DJ of your own mind. 
Change the playlist. Change the playlist. Change the soundtrack. If you don't like what you're hearing, change the track. If you're driving in my car, I control the radio. My son's tried to. It doesn't happen. I control the playlist. It's my car. When you're in your car, you can do whatever you want, but you're in my car, I control it. Why? Because I am my own DJ. PJ DJ on the mic. So, so we've got to replace it. Okay, well, how do we replace it? Watch this. Ephesians 6, 17. I think this is where we're going to go in next week. I'm not quite sure. We'll see what the Holy Spirit says. But Ephesians 6, 17 is the story of the armor of God. And you've got all these things. We have the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness and the shield of faith and the belt of truth and the shoes prepared with the gospel of the readiness of peace. And all of those are defensive weapons. But he gives us one that is offensive. And he says, take the helmet of salvation, which by the way, what does that guard? Your mind. So when I understand that I am saved and born again and forgiven and healed and blessed and highly favored and I am a son of God, not a slave, but I'm a son in him. And my salvation is not something anybody can take or give away, but I'm eternally secure in his forgiveness. I mean, no, that changes my mind, by the way. But also he gives us the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. God's word is described as a sword. You know why most Christians today are defeated by lies? They don't know the word. Like, you cannot sit every day with hours and hours of media, of social media, of all of this intake, and spend five minutes in the word every day and think you're gonna win. It ain't happening. It ain't happening. One hour in church ain't enough for this battle. Like, you need to be equipped. You need to be armored. You need to be ready. We're, we're, we're meeting right now with a security team, a, a guy, some guys that are coming in that are, that are upgrading our security guys and giving them much better training and helping them. We have security, by the way, here. You don't know them. They're in incognito, but they're, they're packing. And so... Uh, they're here, and so we've been, we've been having this training, and I sat down with this guy that's coming in and helping us train, and he's been in military and, and law enforcement and all this stuff, and he made a statement the other day, and I thought, God, that's such a good statement. He said, every person thinks they know what they're going to do when they get into a heated moment. He said this, but everybody reverts back to their training. Everybody reverts back to their training. Everybody reverts. He says, your guys are like, yeah, yeah, I got this, I got this. He said, they're going to be the ones in the corner hiding. <laughs> He's like, I'm telling you, I've seen it way too much. If, they don't, if they're not trained and equipped on how to handle it, when the moment arrives, they're not going to do what they think they're going to do, or they're going to do something stupid. And I think about how the barrage of the enemy comes and hits and hits and hits and hits. And some of us in here are not trained at all. And so you're reverting back to your old training, which was grab a beer, go to a relationship, veg out on Netflix, when you should be getting in the word of God and taking authority over what's happening in your marriage and over your kids and in your family and your work and over your health. And you say, God, no. I'm not backing down. I'm not passive. God has given me a weapon. Let's use it.
But you can't use it if you don't know it. Which is why, yet again, we've created the Daily Devos. Every day, we send a text with a video to you just to help you get that, 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 just, just a little bit, just a little bit. And before you know it, you're like, come on, somebody. How many of y'all want to be like that? Just like flying around. You're like, come at me. Come at me. So you got to replace it. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's piercing to the division of what? Our, our, our soul, our mind, our thoughts, our will, our feelers, our emotions. The word of God goes after your emotions. The word of God goes after your thoughts. The word of God goes after your heart. It goes after your will. It goes after the things that you do of joints and of marrow. Discerning the There it is again, thoughts and the intentions of the heart to get at the deeply entrenched lies that go down into our soul. You've got to have something that can dig deep at the root level and cut it out like a surgical knife that comes in and cuts at the root level. This is what the word of God does. It cuts at the root level because if you just chop it off at the top, it's coming right back and spreading. So we've got to get God's word into these moments. Matthew 4, when Jesus was tempted, the enemy would say, if you are the son of God, if you're the son of God, and every time Jesus would say, it is written, 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 and it's huge here. The what ifs of their enemy are always defeated by the it is of the word. What if this happens? Well, it is this. What if your children run from God? No, I've raised my children in the ways of the Lord and I've planted seeds in their hearts. God, you will bring that to fruition. What if you lose your job? Well, it says that God is my provider. He is my rock. If he takes care of the birds of the fields and the flowers, he will take care of me. Well, what if you go back to what you did? No, I am a new creation in Christ. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are new. Well, what if, what if, you, what if you're, you, you lose something? Well, no, I'm not gonna fear. I'm not gonna worry. I'm gonna meditate on the things that are true and right and lovely and good reports. And the peace of God will guard my heart and guard my mind. I'm so passionate about this because you need to get this. You need to understand. The enemy has had way too long over your mind. And I pray that you would allow the spirit of God to use the word of God through the people of God to make you like a man and woman of God. This is what he uses. John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Not what you believe is truth, but the true truth will set you free. And so we we recognize and we repent and we replace. And so I want you to take that one, one stronghold, that one thought that you said, yeah, that's me. And I want you to go and I want you to find God's word. And I want you, every time that thing comes back up and wants to repeat, I want you to take God's word and go, uh-uh, nope, uh-uh, nope, uh-uh, nope, 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 nope. This is the what if, but this is the it is. It is, it is, it is. And watch this, number four, I want you to repeat it. Repeat it, repeat it. Well, how long do I have to do this? Probably your whole life. Like probably your whole life. Like 
every day. Watch this, write it, thank it, confess it until you believe it. You write it, you thank it, you confess it till you believe it. You write it, you thank it, you confess it till you believe it. You write it, you think it. How do you think you are where you are today? Because you've said it and said it and said it and said it and confessed it and confessed it and you, some of you even written it and you've believed it and guess what? You're living in it. What if we were to take what God's word has to say and write this and thank it and confess it and believe it? And I pray today that you don't stay locked in a prison that Jesus already unlocked. So Father, today in this moment, we thank you for your word that is true. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're here in this place wanting to expose the lies of the enemy. God, we know that he's already been defeated. We know that he has already, he already knows he lost. But God, we know his strategy too. Strategies of accusation, strategies of lies. And God, I pray by the Holy Spirit, you would just reveal those right to us now. Reveal those to us right now. God, search us, search us, know our hearts, know our thoughts. God, if there's any grievous way in us, lead us into the way of everlasting. Lead us to your truth. Lead us to your life. We repent of that today. Would you just say that right there where you are? I want you to say, God, I repent of, and then I want you just to fill in that stronghold, whatever that was. God, I repent of that lie today. I do not take agreement of that anymore. Some of you, it's been things that have been done to you and that has caused the lie that you believe and say, that is not my identity anymore. I'm not this, this, um, by, by my failure, defined by my failure. I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by what people say. I am only defined by what you say of me today. God, we receive your word today. We receive your truth. And when we receive your truth, your truth sets free. So right now, God, I pray that you would open blind eyes, break strongholds, demolish them by your Holy Spirit. God, we turn to you in this moment. We ask for you to be here. God, give us, give us your Holy Spirit, help us. We know this battle is incessant. We know this battle doesn't stop, but we also know that we are victorious in you. Give us the mind of Christ today in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, come on one more time. Let's give some praise to Jesus.